This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott and have we got a great show for you tonight. No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing again. It's the request line. All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA East of the Rockies. Hey, breather, what's going on, man? You donated your life savings to a TV televangelist because you want to secure salvation in the afterlife? Dude, what were you thinking? Those guys are shameless grifters. What do you mean he promised there wouldn't be any shitty rock and roll podcasts in heaven? Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? Send me your money by suicidal tendencies? You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Send Me Your Money by Skate Punk Crossover Thrashers Suicidal Tendencies. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. What's up, music nerds? Are you tired of wading through a sea of mediocre music, desperately seeking to find a glimmer of greatness? You're in luck. My name is Mark, and I am the host of the podcast, Songs That Don't Suck. Each week, I scour the depths of new music playlists to unearth hidden gems that defy the trends and deliver pure sonic bliss. No matter the genre, if it doesn't suck, it's on my radar. So find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. And as always, keep searching for and listening to Songs That Don't Suck. Breaking news! What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right, gang, we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter on the line, Rico Gnu. No! How are you, sir? Doing pretty damn good. How about yourself? I'm ready for some good news, man. What's going on out there in the world of rock and roll? Well, first, before we um, get into that, uh, first, thank you to everybody who's listening. Very much appreciated. If you think anybody you know might enjoy this, grab them by the by the arm and pull them and make them listen. I think they might enjoy it. But, Scott, I have to mention this real quick before we get on. Uh, Robin Quivers... Uh, most people who know who that is, she's she's the the uh, she's been with Howard Stern for gosh a hundred thousand years now. Um, it just came out recently that 
Uh, she's been battling cancer. Um, and, you know, just to quickly pull the curtain back, you know, all of these new, this news segment that we do is inspired by Robin uh, because she, of, of what she's done for the Howard Stern show, and that show would be nothing without her. So just wanted to send it out that we're thinking about her. Keep up the good fight. Scott, she is my news muse. So having said that, let's get this thing started shall we let's do it so you know i'm a big rush fan uh i think everybody knows that by now um ged had an interview in um the long island weekly you know he's been doing his my and life tour which uh uh the the brit that i work with is actually going to see that he's very excited about that uh but um he has discussed the fact that him and Al have been jamming, Scott. They actually got together. They've done a little bit of jamming. He's discovered some songs that he's kind of dusted off that he wants to rework. And Ged and Alex might be getting back into the studio. Well, I got to know. I mean, I I'm going to defer to you on this one because I'm really curious. I think this is huge, huge news. Like, the biggest news uh, in in rock, certainly this week and maybe in the past year, um, certainly in recent memory. I got to know, man, how do you feel about it, being a big Rush fan? Well, I, I, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm excited because um, I, I can I don't I don't even purport to know the type of person Neil Peart was, but um, this this was kind of in the back of my mind ever since he died and ever since they stopped touring after their r40 tour was would there ever be a situation where they would you know get back on on the on the bike and take it for another ride you know what i mean would would they do this again and and i could tell you man um i i'm excited to see where this could go um i i there's a you texted me um, a Martin Popoff video of that who he, and he commented on this um, and there's a couple of I have to tell you there's good probably Scott there's going to be some purists out there it's going to be a mixed bag I think there's going to be some purists that aren't going to want this to happen that that would taint Rush's legacy you know how that's going to go but on the other hand I'm excited to see what could possibly happen you know what I mean um, and I, I do have to disagree with Martin Popoff on he wants to automatically try and suggest drummers, which is the natural thing to do here, Scott. But the reality is there is he suggested Mike Portnoy or uh, the uh, El Estepario Siberiano, who I've mentioned before on this podcast, who's amazing. There's Grayson Nekrutman. There's Thomas Lang. There's Ma Mike Mangini. There's about... 4,000 people that could do this but the reality is it we have no idea what kind of music they would even want to play Scott think about it over 40 years they've changed the musical directions drastically several times who knows what direction they might they might want to go in hell they could grab somebody that's like Charlie Watt or Phil Rudd and that could be exactly what they're looking for so mm -hmm. I would, instead of suggest, trying to figure out who should drum for them, let's try and, gosh, the possibility, the best part about this is they've, they've changed musical direction so much successfully. I 
would love to sit down with a cup of coffee for about two hours and try and speculate on what kind of music they might play. You know what I mean? I think that would be fun considering how many different styles they've done over the years. First of all, Mike Mangini is recently unemployed, so that's kind of interesting. You're right. It is natural to instantly start running down that list of drummers in your mind, but ultimately it does feel, even though it's been a few years since Neil Peart passed, it feels almost disrespectful just to start running down a list as if he's instantly replaceable, just find some virtuoso and swap them out and who cares, right? Well, that's not necessarily the case. And that's why you're going to have Rush has a fan base that is so loyal, so passionate, so devoted to this band that I think it will be divisive. And there are those losing Neil Peart wasn't losing just any member of a band. No disrespect to Charlie Watt, but you still have Mick and Keith and he's the drummer, right? Neil was in a lot of ways he kind of was rush right and he's and he's an iconoclast you know um taking nothing away from getty whose voice and bass playing is so identifiable alex lifeson certainly has his own stamp but it's like you're not just replacing the drummer you're replacing literally an iconic individual who successfully kind of carved his own place in rock history even outside of rush you know he's a guy that's going to go on like mount rushmore's of drummers right when people are putting those lists together and the other two members might not make those respective lists maybe getty with bass but they're not going to be as kind of obvious as neil so i think it will be divisive at least what we're hearing is that they probably this probably will use the rush moniker so this won't just be getty and alex making music that this will be a rush project which makes sense because their management and i thought martin made a great point with this the money is in a tour the money isn't in an album the money isn't in a solo project or a side project the money is firing up that brand that is Rush, that gigantic brand that has all those four decades of equity in it and putting that on the road. <laughs> that's where the money is. And if they do that, that's that will be a big success. I'd love to hear new music, but I think what the, their, uh, their management will really be after is getting them moving some tickets. So, um, there's just a lot to unpack here. I think it's interesting, though, because I guess before I hand it back to you, if there's ever a band that I think could handle something this delicate correctly, it's Rush. I just think they're smarter. Um, Metallica would, too. These are bands that are just smarter in how they go about their business. And Rush handled that R40 tour so well. They handled the multiple tragedies in Neil's life so well. They gave everything appropriate space. They never rushed or forced anything. The R40 tour was one of the most brilliant farewell tours in terms of how it was set up with the stage show. Everything Rush does is just a cut above how other people do it. They're just smarter in how they go about their business. So I have no doubt that if they toured again as Rush, with another guy behind the kit that it will be done with the appropriate reverence for neil peart and that any rush fans who have 
trepidation about this endeavor will their mind will be i think put to ease that everything will be done with the utmost respect to neil peart just because that's the organization they are that's how they do things yeah man i couldn't agree with you more and here's why for those people who might think that this is blasphemy that they do this with a different drummer let's let's remember that they didn't ask for neil peart they already had a drummer remember they had john rutsey and john rutsey was the front man now mind you uh getty wrote the lyrics to work to, to the first album only because he had to because they were in a bind and they had already scheduled studio time so everybody knows that story but john rutsey was the front man he's the one that talked in between songs he's the one that organized everything and he was the drummer they had to get a new they had to get neil pert because they had to get it and it just wound up being him so it's okay for them to do this again with another drummer because nobody neil peart does not taint the legacy of john rutsey john rutsey was important he was very much a part of that first album and that first album was was the fucking linchpin that set it all into motion right so you have to respect that and and any rush fan worth their worth their weight is going to appreciate what john rutsey did for this band as well and so going and doing this again with another drummer is never going to taint Peart's legacy, and it's not going to taint John Rutsey's legacy either. They've already done this one time, although there's a bigger gap. Yep. But it's it's okay. It's okay because none of that stuff, none of the stuff that happened in the past forty years, is going to go away with a new drummer. It just isn't. And so we should all really be happy that they're going to do more things because i was sad when they stopped doing this when they stopped and i wanted them to keep going when you like something you don't ever want it to end right and right. so this is a chance for my favorite band to do something again and if it's with a different drummer i'm okay with that because i was okay i was okay with neil peart and i was okay with john rutsey so i'm going to be okay with the, whoever this other drummer is going to be yeah, and to your point, there is precedent. Now, people might shake their head and be like, yeah, but that, was a, that wasn't the rush we all knew and loved. But the fact of the matter is, to your point, that first record was vitally important. It broke them right here in Cleveland, Ohio. That record is what got them out of Canada and into the States, you know, and got yeah. them touring with Kiss and becoming a, a real band, you know? Yeah, so, and, and and guess what? The, the Some of the songs they have the most fun playing live were the ones off the first album. Yeah, I think a lot of that's in their DNA for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting too because it's not a situation. It's a little bit like ACDC. Bon Scott died. So, and certainly they're much younger when this happened than Getty and Alex are now. But when your dream is cut short because someone in your band passes away, is it fair to the other guys to just be like, well, I got to hang it up now? I, I, Neil Peart passed away. And it's like Getty and Alex still have music in them and still have the desire to play. And, should that necessarily end just because one of the members, albeit a key songwriter, lyricist, and integral vital part of the band, in many ways, the heart of the band passed on, 
it doesn't necessarily in my eyes mean that it's fair to them that they again i think they took a window of time away from music and it feels like they're ready to step back and i think it's within their right to do so they're musicians who have music in them and aren't ready to stop yet and sh and i don't know i can't speak for neil but i don't think neil would necessarily want them to you know i mean it seems like they were all pretty close friends in that band so it just it's not entirely fair to them that they should have to well i guess i'm forced into retirement even though i didn't want to retire you know it's like they love their gig. They want to keep working. You and know? that's a fact. I mean, when, when, even when they did, this is documented, when they did the R40 tour, Ged, Ged had, when, when they were in Cleveland and they did the DVD, the one that I went to, um, I can't remember the Clockwork freaking name. Angels tour. Right? Yeah. It was, it was a great show, but that was a point in time where Ged's voice was struggling. It, if you, if you watch that DVD, his voice wasn't wasn't spectacular at all, but but it's Rush, and we all just worked worked through that. But after that, especially on the R40 tour, he had changed his diet. He had started taking care of his body a little more, and his voice was coming back. And if you listen to R40, his voice was noticeably better. Um, it was clearer. He had a little more range, um, and so he actually didn't want to stop. He wanted to keep going. And I think Alex wanted to keep going too, but he had some stomach, he had some health problems, which mm -hmm. kind of stopped him from, but he still wanted to keep going. But they respected the fact that Pierre had a new daughter, had daughter, young daughter, that he didn't want to, he wanted to maximize his time with his daughter and everybody respected it. So they ended it. So these guys, these two guys never wanted to stop, Scott. That's a fact. And right. so they still have some juice left in them. So why not let her rip, man? Yeah. And it's also to be noted that the last kind of like third of their career had a lot of fits and starts because of all the shit Neil was going through. Yep. And yep. they were always super deferential to Neil and always gave him whatever space he needed. But as creative entities, Eddie, uh, Alex and, uh, and Getty were always kind of put in this place of having to kind of hold back and wait, you know? And I think they once again have kind of done that again. And it's like, they probably, you know, want to get moving. Wow. That dude, you hit on something there. You made a really great point there. Like the last several albums, they were, they, they, they stopped because of pure, although a couple of tragedies understand yep. Yep. they were stay. They, 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 they stopped for four or five years because of him. They, um, man, they've spent, they've spent a lot of albums going around Neil in various ways, right? Whether it was lyrically or shit, 2112. I think they were all on board with 2112, but really it was Peart who was the driving force speed behind the big giant FUs to the, to their record label. Yep. So they've spent a lot of albums kind of kind of maneuvering their wants and needs around neil from a yep. certain perspective and they've done it willingly but now this gives them a chance to kind of maybe spread their wings again a little bit and not have to i, I hope this doesn't sound negative because it's not meant to be negative um but this gives them a chance to spread their wings and not have to worry about 
what Neil's going to do or having to wait for him or having to work around his lyrical direction or what's motivating him vocal, you know, his voice and the lyrics. It allows them to just kind of kind of just run with whatever tickles their fancy. And those two guys have been tight for such a long time. Who knows where that could go? And and I, I don't want that to sound bad, but but that was a really great point by you that I wanted to comment on that. Whenever you think of like snakes and arrows and vapor trails and that era of the band and all of the challenges Neil was facing, their yep. career was always in a series of fits and starts, you know, and there was even a window there where Neil wanted to quit then before he even got sick. And yep. so I think that they've kind of had to, you know, they've kind of had to navigate their create as uh, their creativity around neil peart for a long time and so, and and they you do so because he's such an important part of the band and because they sincerely cared about him as, yep. as a brother you know but yep. i see no reason why they should have to whenever they still have creative juices and they're still fit enough although alex has his challenges but they're still healthy enough and young enough to go out there I think you're probably going to see a tour. It sounds like Ged has some music he's sitting on from his solo stuff. So you probably got, I don't know whether it's going to be an album or individual Spotify releases, singles, that kind of thing. I don't know. As a fan, would you want a new album, like a new full length? Oh my God. Hell yes. And I would, I would pay any amount to go see them live again. Wow. Like literally I would pay any amount to go see them live. Even yeah. with a different drummer, as Rush with a different drummer, I would pay whatever I had to pay. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny too, because Popoff made this point that in the modern era, drummers are so technically proficient <laughs> that they're falling off trees. And so you're not going to really yeah. have, it's just going to be more a matter, I think, of finding someone with the right chemistry, you know, rather than ability. Because you'll find someone who can do that stuff and play it yep. kind of standing on their head. So it'll just be a matter of finding someone who can kind of gel with them. I think yeah, they're not going to they're not going to have trouble finding a drummer. It's just going to be basically who's to your point, who's going to be the best fit for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Pop off made a good point. You go out and you get somebody who's 10, 15 years younger than you are, you know, just a, just a generation behind, you know, a little younger because the drumming position can be so demanding and. Yeah, you know it, 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 that'll just be a chemistry thing. Just guys who can, just a guy who can get along with those two and and exist on the road. But I think it'd be a great story, man. And I have no doubt that if they do it, it'll be done in a way that's totally respectful to Neil. You know, so absolutely. Think, who knows? Maybe that's what the songs would be about. Who knows? But uh, and that's the point of this, man. They've done like if you compare Rush, Rush to Farewell to Kings to Signals to hold your fire adi 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 they've gone so many different ways just just what you said who the fuck knows what this is going to sound like but because they've conducted themselves in such a way for 40 years i have even their creative their creative turd uh was test for echo they even admitted it they were creatively spent and even that album is still listenable pretty even good though, even though it's and everybody hates caress of steel but that one's even good too they're all good even the crappy ones are still good so i have no <laughs> idea or i have no doubt that they're whatever they do is going to be good because that's just what they do to your point earlier yeah um i'm pretty excited man anyway i think yep. that's some pretty good news yep. um 
Rico, you want to wrap us up and send us to break? Yeah, man, that's it. We're going to take a quick break from all this rush talk. Uh, and when we get, get when we come back, we're going to talk about a band that's Jesus Scott had more people in this band than I think Browns have had quarterbacks in the last 10 or 15 years. So um, just hang on. We'll be right back. Looking for a good rock and roll book? Do you watch a ton of rock and roll documentaries like I do? Well, that's why I started the Rock Talk Studio podcast to be the place to go for previews, reviews, and recommendations of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Every first Tuesday of the month, the Rock Talk Studio gets you caught up on all the latest and points out where to go for the good stuff. Give me 20 minutes and I'll get you caught up on the world of rock and roll books, docs, and movies from every possible angle and leave you with a no doubt decision on where to spend your time and money fan or just casual fan or maybe you're on the fence and just looking for something new to check out either way i got you covered recently on the show i've talked about books and documentaries from everyone and everything from david bowie randy rhodes and the allman brothers to the abbey road studios cheap trick stevie ray vaughn little richard and more join me big rick every tuesday of the month as i host the rock talk studio podcast the ultimate review of rock and roll books documentaries and movies our Mind on Music is a podcast that covers all things music. We cover all genres and we welcome all perspectives from musicians, producers, and content creators to music enthusiasts. We have discussions, interviews, opinions, and much, much more. We hope you'll join us every week. Our Mind on Music on YouTube and all streaming platforms. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born, the rambunctious son of country, western, and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955, on this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity individualism and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of mad jack to witness their long past the sell-by date asses on stage and with its chauvinism, misogyny and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn, rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. All right, ladies and germs, gang, welcome back. Um, hey, thanks for sticking around. I think uh, I think you're gonna like what we're gonna we're gonna bring at you here. So, Scott, um, 
Send Me Your Money, Suicidal Tendencies, released in 1990. It's off the album Lights, Camera, Revolution. The song is a Juicy 322. The label is Epic. Um, I always have trouble with this name. I know there's, is it Muir? Muir? I know there's a Muir, like, over in in San Francisco, there's like the Muir Redwood Forest or something. I don't know how to say his last name. He's the only guy out of the 75 that's the original member of the band. Um, <laughs> and he wrote the song. Uh, but the big question is, Scott, did this song give rock and roll suicidal tendencies? We're going to find out. Nice. Well played. I don't know how to say the man's name either. I've been reading it in print my whole life. I'm sure I've heard it once or yeah, twice no spoken idea. on Headbangers Ball. I have no idea. So this will be like the Rammstein episode where I where I say it differently every time I say it. If I say it at all, I might just avoid it. But I wonder if there might be somebody out there that could probably help us out with the pronunciation. <laughs> just give the man a Pepsi. Um, <laughs> Listen. <laughs> It's rock and roll autopsy. We just turned a hundred. Thanks to everyone who sent well wishes and congrats on social media. Absolutely. Um, it's terrific. We keep moving forward. Listen, I have seen the occasional negative comment, usually surrounding the titles. They're like, Oh, did you kill rock? They're like, I'm not that's clickbait bullshit. Listen, man, it's called being provocative and interesting and trying to cut through the fucking noise that is your timeline on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if you watch This Is Spinal Tap and think you're watching Schindler's List, go find another podcast, all right? Passion exactly. in your favorite band, your favorite song is welcome. A sense of humor is required, okay? exactly we ain't changing if you want smart intelligent music discussion go go watch martin popoff he'll give you some really smart intellectual rock and roll discussion so it ain't always what we do here exactly <laughs> all right gang so it's rock and roll autopsy suicidal tendencies i loved this record 1990 i was in the 10th grade i was listening to this every single day i love the crossover thrash of this time i played the shit out of this record song is send me your money the question is to rico's point love it man did it give rock and roll suicidal tendencies i'm gonna steal that because you're brilliant how do we find out well we happen to have a hundred episodes worth of proprietary science under our belts. We have developed five bulletproof categories that when we put a song through this litmus test, we can tell, we can tell with accuracy, whether or not it killed rock and roll. I don't know, man. It feels to me like, Kids have no business trying to do this shit. If you're a little one, do not try this at home. Leave it to the amateur pathologist. Rico, should kids try to do this at home? No, because what will happen is, is you'll do what I did. When I thought that when we had two couches in our living room face to face, and I, I, I thought that I was like a primate and I was jumping from one couch to the next, and I fucked up. And I, you ever stub your big toe and break it? 
Oh yeah. And there's, yeah, there isn't I, shit they can do about it. Not a goddamn thing you can do about it. And so I'm like 10 years old with a broken big toe because I was an idiot because I thought that I could be a, a monkey and jump from one couch to the other. Like I was a crazy man. So what's going to happen if you try to do what we do, you'll stub your toe and there won't be a damn thing you're going to do about it. So just leave it to us. We'll take care of it for you. We got it. We've got five categories. They are gratuitous boomerism excessive misogyny wanton whiteness malignant machismo and culture vulturism the song send me your money the band suicidal tendencies the album lights camera revolution rico the category gratuitous boomerism how do you score yeah um i thought about this uh the reason why I like this song, the well, the biggest reason why I like this song is one of the reasons why I'm going to give it a half a point because it's got the shuffle. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Scott, songs don't swing anymore. And the rare occasion that you do get one that swings, they're actually great. But this song swings. It's got the shuffle. That's going to get a half a point. The other half a point, unfortunately, is going to come because they're talking about televan the 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 money grab that was televangelists, and that's a boomer topic too. So I hate to do it, man, because I like the song, but I got to give it a one for both of those reasons. Yeah, you really knocked it out of the park on this one, man. You're right. I have to echo your sentiments. You're dead on, man. The shuffle. It used to be the backbone of early rock and roll. You heard it in everything uh, dating back to the birth of rock and roll. You heard it in the Chuck Berry songs. You heard the swing and Little Richard, Carl Perkins. You heard it in the 70s. You heard it in Van Halen. You heard Every it in great AC Van DC. Halen song has a shuffle to it. Jesus. You heard it everywhere. And then one day the shuffle just disappeared from rock music. Um the swing has left rock music, but you're right. It's here. It is a shuffle beat in the song. Um, so for that, I'm just repeating what you said because you fucking nailed it. It's a point five <laughs> and televangelist. My oh, goodness, Jesus, Jimmy Swagger, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, uh, uh, fucking what was it? The PTL Ministries. What the hell was that show they had back in the day in the 80s? I remember, I actually uh, watched PT, it. Jesus, I forgot, but Ernest Angley, remember him? Yeah, oh, yeah, our local Jesus. guy. Put I your water, put here. Let me do my best imitation of Ernest Angley. Ready? Put your money on the table and let me draw the evil money out. <laughs> How did that sound? That was perfect. Um, <laughs> I would I would find myself just like you'd flip through the channels and these shows would be on and I'd find myself watching them because they were mildly entertaining just as like entertainment television. They were always talking about the end times, which is cool. And then yep. it was always like, did you ever watch like the Jerry Lewis telethon when you were a kid? every fucking year me too and yeah. even though they're like begging for money at every opportunity there's something about those damn shows that's entertaining <laughs> I, I know dude i mean watching well the jerry lewis thing was a little different because they were trying to there's an actual thing that they were trying to cure, yes they weren't but... trying to cover up like rape <laughs> like hush money payments selling salvation and blessings i mean yeah. come on one one check at a time 
Jesus. Anyway, you're right. Tell tell evangelists just the topic is so it's so dated and so boomerific that I will score it a 0.5 as well. Let's yeah. move on. Excessive misogyny. Send me your money. I have lyrics available if you need to hear them, sir. Thank you. Can I have some? Maybe the excessive misogyny should be reserved for Jim Baker and his drugging and raping of Jessica Hahn and then <laughs> taking the money he raised from that TV show and using it as hush money. Maybe maybe that is where it, where the I will give Jim Baker a plus one. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say he gets a plus one. <laughs> All right, let's fire it up. Lights, camera, silence on the set tape rolling three two one action welcome to the church of suicidal we'll have a sermon and a wonderful recital but before we go there's something i must mention an important message i must bring to your attention i was in meditation and prayer last night i was awakened by a shining bright light overhead a glorious spirit he gave me a message and y'all need to hear it Send me your money. That's what he said. He said to send me your money. Now, if you can only send a dollar or two, there ain't a hell of a lot I can promise to you. But if you wants to see heaven's door, make out a check for $5 million or more. Just a snippet. This spoken word brought to you by Rock and Roll Autopsy. Um... Yeah, man. I mean, you know, if you want to say that this fake Christian money grab kind of a thing is, you know, where the fake Christians who believe in, you know, the wife is the helpmate and, you know, belongs at the side of the man. I mean, there is some inherent misogyny within this type of fake ass religion that's kind of got the, the original purpose kind of got left behind and got replaced with some weird twisted version of what it was originally intended. So I guess for that, I'm going to just kind of go, I'm going to do a 0.5 just because of that. What about you? I, I gotta tell you, man, you're having like your best night ever here. <laughs> telling me on these points. I mean, I, I never bring much forethought or research or anything other than my own bad self to these autopsies. And you're selling me, man. So I'm going to score it a 0.5 as well. You know, it's funny because I see in the last verse, as I'm staring at the lyrics, he, he name checks Jim and Tammy Faye Baker at the end. Um, Rico heavy metal had a field day with the downfall of Jimmy swagger and Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, because this this is another reason why you 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 score it how you do under gratuitous boomerism our previous category is the 80s had the satanic panic and the christian moral majority had heavy metal in its crosshairs you know and oh, it for sure going to take heavy metal down so when all of these freaks were exposed <laughs> for the rank hypocrisy <laughs> with which they conducted themselves the heavy metal community lapped it up like a fucking dog in a bowl of alpo i mean the, the songs, hypocrisy of it all they could not help it the songs that came out of the metal community after these fuckers went down was amazing you got this song <laughs> send me your money 
Ozzy wrote Miracle Man. You got uh, uh, Make Me Laugh by Anthrax. You got Jesus Saves by Slayer. You got Leper Messiah by Metallica. I mean, these bands could not wait to line up and write a diss track because of the backlash that they had to endure as a result of the satanic panic. So, yeah. It's just a really fascinating window of time. That whole, everything about that era is just really interesting. It was glorious. All right, let's move on. Our third category, send me your money. Wanton whiteness, suicidal tendencies. Rico, how do you score? Um, boy, you know, Scott, um, one would think that the whole televangelist thing would be strictly a white thing but not really because but in a slightly different way do you remember scott and i just thought of this just now do you remember reverend ike who was reverend ike i don't remember he was a tv guy just like these people are except his take was a little bit different. Like in, instead of like the Jim and Tammy Faye Bakers and all these other kind of like, like pushing their money grabbing under the carpet, so to speak, and kind of brushing and kind of disguising that as, you know, you're donating and it's really about the blessings and God, you know, Reverend Ike, if I'm not mistaken, Reverend Ike's thing, whole thing was money's good, man. I'm not going to feel bad for want for wanting to be rich. And he kind of went that route with it. And God is good because he, because he give because he provides money. Right. So he kind of took it in that direction, but you know, I might, I might want to say that the whole televangelist thing is strictly a white bread thing. But then I thought of Reverend Ike, but then again, it's a completely white bread thing to completely deflect your money grab and, and put it in the guise of blessings and salvation. That is totally white bread. At least Reverend Ike owned it, which I got to give him credit for that. So I'm going to go full on one for whiteness on this one. Do you remember that Jim Baker had, you know, the Lego movie, that hair that Emmett had, the main character in the Lego movie? That was like Jim Baker. Jim Baker's bald <laughs> as fuck now, but back in the eighties, he had like early Emmett Lego hair where it just looked like he just <laughs> like he just popped it on his head. And it was like that perfect part. It was like rock solid. It never moved, man. It was the best. But oh, that's hilarious. I think and, typically and true, by the way. And true. I think typically in the past, we would look at this wanton whiteness category and we think to ourselves, well, are we going to penalize this band for being too white, which is a negative in, uh, in modern sensibilities. Now we are more open and more diverse and are trying to chase inclusivity wherever we can. Uh, but unfortunately in the history of rock and roll, uh, especially during its heyday in the eighties, things got real white in the world of rock and roll. Yeah. Suicidal tendencies, though, um, and so we were giving traditionally in this category a 0.5 just if the band was cracker ass white. But yeah, suicidal tendencies, however, from from uh, uh, Los Angeles, this has always been now that you to your point. Yes, they've had 75 members, but 
this album represents its quintessential lineup and it's one in which the band was multicultural of course uh -huh. you had mike muir on lead vocals but you had rocky george an african-american guitar player who was a bad motherfucker in the band always wore the pittsburgh pirates ball cap you had robert trujillo in the band on bass a badass bass player yep. um wasting his talents in metallica these days but making <laughs> money <laughs> making a hell of a lot more money That's but true. his best work was in suicidal tendencies you hear it on this song let me hear more bass you right? know his kid is playing with them now yeah very yeah. cool yep yeah. so but he really shines on these suicidal records um so but the band was always multicultural and very much reflected that los angeles area um very much reflected the music of the era of of that area you know it was a little bit of thrash a little bit of funk you know at times kind of hip-hoppy it just very much kind of like a multicultural sensibility Agree. within the band Agree. and this song to your point the shuffle Agree. it's got bass breaks and so i'm gonna score them a zero on this one you know what actually it's good he said that um and i don't do this very often i'm gonna revise my score a tad because of all that i forgot about all that but the fact that it's a metal band writing a novelty song that's banging on televangelists is still kind of white to me so i'm just gonna drop it down to a 0.5 instead of a full one anyway all right let's move on send me your money malignant machismo rico how do you score man i just my heart just leaped out of my chest i thought for a brief second i did not hit the record button and I oh tell me you hit record i did i glanced oh, up and saw it recording but i just freaked myself out man let me Holy have a minute i am okay. uh, take a breath all right if you send me a dollar then i'll be able to call me better with some prayers Thank you. Let's, I'm going to get that check in the mail. All right. <laughs> Malignant machismo. Um, this is this song kind of reminds me of this, and I could be way off base, but the way the the way this song is delivered, it kind of gives me like an anthraxy kind of a feel to it. Yeah. Um, and that's and and that kind of shit's kind of that's that like fucking thrash macho. Uh, uh so um but it's all done in good fun this is a this is clearly like a fun novelty song so for me i think i'm just gonna have to go a 0.5 because there is that thrashy macho-ness to it but it's a fun novelty song at the same time so we'll just go 0.5 yeah i feel like uh as a front man um well for one thing this band to me uh even though as I pointed out in the previous category, they're they're multicultural and have many, many influences and colors to their their music. But the presentation of the band, the band's name is Suicidal Tendencies, okay? I don't think they're trying to recruit a lot of female listeners with that band name, right? Mike Muir would have his flannel shirt on, buttoned only at the top like the gangs do back in the day, right? Just oh, yeah. button at the top and every other yep. button down, he would have the do-rag on, pulled over his eyes so you never saw his eyes. I don't know how he was able to even see the stage, right? So they were adopting gang aesthetics from Los Angeles with the band name Suicidal Tendencies. I don't think this was a band looking for a lot of crossover appeal. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think so full Duff Leopard and have an audience full of scantily clad women. I don't think that was on their to-do list. Um, 
so I think this was definitely a band that was a skate punk band that that like I said adopted a lot of uh, a gang aesthetic. I'm gonna score them a full one. For yeah, malignant machismo. Good call. Our final category: send me your money, suicidal tendencies, culture vulturism. Really curious to hear where you come out on this one. I think it can go a couple of different ways. What say yep. you? Well, um, I can tell you that. Uh, just uh, uh, just a quick aside. I really like their first album. I really like their their um their punk. Their, the more punk and thrash they are, the better. When they got when they got like Motorhead metal there for a while, it got they got kind of lame in my opinion. But when they got, went back to their roots and got a little bit of funk, a lot of punk and some thrash all put together, I think that's when they're at their best, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but in general, when I listen to even even though the cool shit is really cool, if you take out. Gosh, this is tough, man, because I, I thought I knew where I was going to go with this. Um, as long as they're doing the punky thrash shit that they started doing they're fine but when they mix in the the motor heady metalness and and uh, the album after this one i i think i don't know how you feel about the one after this one but the one after this one's boring in my opinion and the one before this one's boring too um, yeah the one after this one is almost like like you really hear the alternative kind of 90s sound in it's it. their grunge album right yes yeah, yeah yeah and it's boring and the one before this one's boring but when they do their thrash punk shit, because because they're so like, gosh, it seems like every album is like every other album is good, and the ones in between suck. So, um, <laughs> all of, all of the 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 motorheady metal stuff is totally appropriated, in my opinion. the The flannel with the do rag is totally appropriated. Um, even this song, song Scott, sounds like something Scatterbrain would do. Ah, yeah. Um, but and so I want to give them a full point, but because they scatter a, a, a enough of their own punk thrash stuff that put them on the map, I'm just gonna go with the point five on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just kind of distill what you said a little bit i mean they're just yeah. a soup of influences you yeah. know and it's kind of a kaleidoscope of things i mean they go from to your point with inst institutionalized they're like a kind of a Love hardcore hardcore punk band and then they veer into thrash and they go all over the place with their sound and so um so it's hard to really kind of pin down what they are as a band because they are always kind of evolving and trying different styles I think this album for me, and it could have just been the era and the age. It could be a little bit of a, you had to be there kind of thing. I think this album yeah. just hit a sweet spot for me yeah. when I heard it and the age I was, it's my favorite of theirs, but I'm going to give them a point five because I do see them as borrowers as kind of like, I don't want to say shameless borrowers. I think they're highly creative, but I think they just openly borrow from their influences. And so I'll give them a point five. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish that they would have stuck with their hardcore punk stuff. I mean, I know that was kind of not in style by the time they hit the 90s, but um, and I understand because all kinds of bands change musical direction it happens all the time. But I just think they got kind of lame when they went to the motorhead straight up metal thing. I think they just got boring. 
but yeah uh, i i think a lot of that had to do with like i mean corrosion of conformity did the same thing they started out as a hardcore punk band and then evolved into a metal band yeah. i think it was a metallica when i think when yeah. everybody saw a metallica a, a excuse me when everyone saw a metal band achieve that level of success in 1990 with the black album mm -hmm. a band that was just like them and came from the same kind of lowly musical place kind of cross over and have that kind of mainstream success that everybody was like oh we're gonna go do that you know and so yeah. it was like bands that weren't even metal started kind of copying that sound you that's know? a good point all right, so let's tally this thing up. Rock and roll autopsy, send me your money. Suicidal tendencies. Rico, I've got a da, 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 I've got a 2.5. What do you have, sir? Well, let's see here. Uh let me put my math hat on. One, five, five. I've got 3.0. 3.0. For a grand total of of 5.5 right in the middle science works every time did you take your math hat and pull it down like super low over your eyes i turned it around backwards i put the i pulled it way down right on my eyebrows I'll, a la fred durst right yes um and and yeah i threw my math flannel on too and i buttoned it just the first button just i just yeah because i can't count more than one so i just did the one on top you know of all the styles one would adopt buttoning only the first button i can't stand having the first button of my shirt i know ever it just feels like it's choking me I don't know. So what? So let's think about this. I understand it became a gang thing, but I, what is? What do you think is the premise behind just buttoning the top button? No idea. I mean, to me, it's like the exact opposite of how I would want a shirt working. Because what happens is when you button the top button, the rest of the shirt kind of fans out in an upside yeah. down V, which <laughs> yeah. to me just draws attention to my boiler. You know, my 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 gut. <laughs> And it's like, why would I Which want is what you don't want? Right. Right. Why would I want to button my shirt in a way that just creates like a, like, like a curtain that just <laughs> reveals my belly. Why would I want to like direct people's eyes to my stomach? Like, Hey lady, look up here. My eyes, you know, get your eyes off of my gut. Right. I'm up here. You know, dudes are supposed to work for that V look, not the upside down V look. <laughs> It's like, an like you feel like you want to get like those little pieces of ribbon that hold your curtains open yes. to, to hold, to hold your shirt open so that it drapes nicely. Right. I mean, it's like aesthetically, it's the shape of a pear. I mean, why would anybody <laughs> want that? Like to your point, you want the already pear shaped. You want to eliminate that, right? <laughs> you want to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah and then with the super baggy pants i didn't understand i'm not gonna hey listen if i run into any crips or bloods you might want to blow me away for saying it but i i never understood the uh the fashion choices y'all were making out there hey it's uh it's a fashion thing man you know yeah, i guess what are you gonna do i guess all right gang well 101 in the books rico we're on our way to another hundy can't wait all right <laughs> uh, could, could you detect the excitement in my voice yeah you sounded that? like there was just like this pause where you were like oh god I'm like okay how can i force some excitement on this statement let me work at it 
All right, gang. Well, we've got some good things in store for the new year. So, oh yeah, I can't wait to drop those on you. All right, gang. It's been rock and roll autopsy. Good. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Hey guys, it's like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rockandrollautopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Before you go, if you like heavy metal and stories, then you'll love Battle of the Bands, the narrative form metal podcast that unpacks the biggest rivalries in rock and metal history. Season 1 took in Megadeth versus Metallica, and Season 2 went across the divide to explore the beef between Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. It's like Business Wars, but metal. Find Battle of the Bands wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit battleofthebandspod.com.